Take this easy. Richard Webb, Station Chief, Beirut. He was my father. He started Treadstone. He hired you to put me under surveillance. Why? Jeez. Why did he hire you? Don't say anything, Smith. No. No. There's no sign of him. What do you want us to do? Work your way down the canal. I'll circle around and meet you there. You followed me to Beirut. The last time I saw my father. Why would he have you follow me? It doesn't make any sense. Why? Do you expect me to talk? I'm Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow co-hosts and film buffs, Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. I'm feeling very buffy, thank you. Buffy? <laughs> I'm a film buff. Oh, right. I, I was trying I to think... Buffy I, the Vampire Slayer. I, yeah, I, I, was trying I, to think, I was trying to think where, where, like, you know, Sarah Michelle Keller was in this film or something. <laughs> I was like, did Anthony Hedge appear? Let's the Buffy podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, yeah, I'm feeling buffy. Just give me a moment. Well, the thing is, just before... I, I know what's happened there. Just before, just before we were recording, folks, we were talking about the last Thor film because I saw it last night, and he's obviously thought about like Hemsworth's butt shot in it, and immediately had to say the word. <laughs> he's buffy. feeling very buff. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, you know, for my introduction, um, I have you know just literally written in front of me, fellow co-host. But I always try to add something in, um, and obviously we're Bond fans, we're film fans. Um, so yeah, any old rubbish just comes out. I'm afraid. I try to pick something that's kind of appropriate to the series, like when we do the Hobbit. Um, or Lord of the Rings series, I shall sprinkle something in. All yeah. kinds of rubbish. The box if it's a Hobbit reference, don't in. refer to us as short. That could give us. Complete, no, I won't. That's my that job. could give the wrong impression. I'm like a Hobbit-sized person, being five foot one, so I'm the resident mm. Hobbit. Yeah. So. If, I, if I was in proportion, I'd be five foot one. There was a basketball. Yeah, no, it was a it was a small penis joke, Becca. I remember there was a basketball <laughs> player in America where like it was a female like interviewer in the locker room or something and he was like seven foot three or something and she said cheekily are you in proportion and he said no if i was in proportion i'll be eight foot eleven yeah Yeah. you need to uh stand away over there somewhere and be like ah (laughs) yeah so what are we covering tonight tonight we reached the end of our jason bourne journey as we review jason bourne Starring Matt Damon, Tommy Lee Jones, Ritz Ahmed, Alicia Vikander, Penta Cassau, Julia Stiles, The Score by David Buckley and John Powell. Um, not forgetting Movies Extreme Ways plays over the end of the credits as it has done in the previous films. Uh, written by Paul Greengrass and Christopher Rouse and directed by Paul Greengrass and released in 2016. Um, just some points to make at the outset of this. Uh, I don't want to say a lot. I mean, my, my worry is I watched this nearly a week ago. We were going to record midweek and we've had COVID in the house. I haven't had it personally, but we had COVID in the house and t- recent travel on my path. Oh, I was the one who cried off midweek, but I was only a couple of days from having to see it, uh, uh, from having seen it. 
and uh, honestly six five or six days later i'm struggling with this film to remember it but we'll get into that some just some points of change um the the cinematographer is 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 a change he's he's worked with Catherine bigelow uh, before and he goes on to work with green grass again but it's not the guy who who did the previous entries uh, with green grass um david buckley i don't know massively well he was a relatively young composer at this point um but he he did go on to do the nice guys the same year uh uh the master and uh, it's not that the master though Uh, not the one with um uh, philip seymour hoffman and then he's done averagey things like the papillon remake and angel has fallen and and a bit b-list to be honest with you um I, uh, what else did I want to say? Uh, in terms of a script, Christopher Rouse um, wrote with him on this. And again, really sort of best known as an editor, to be honest with you. He's He, he wrote on this, but his whole um, filmography is things like Fast and Furious films, other things with Jason Bourne, uh, the Italian Job remake from 2003. So there's a lot of changes. That's terrible. Uh, it is right. What's concern, What's odd about the um, Italian Job remake from 2003 is, I think on on point one, it wasn't as bad as I feared. I thought it was going to be terrible. But what I will say, I thought it was, and it was. But the car, <laughs> yeah, but the but the car chases were better in the 60s. There was a real <laughs> majesty about the three minis riding in formation in the 60s films and the established shots and the way it was done. And it was I thought they were worse. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't think it was a great film, and, it, and it's no one remembers it now. Really, we remember it because we were around when it came out. But if you said Italian Job to most people now, they'd still think Michael Caine. Um, so I think the point is there's quite a few changes behind the scenes this time, um, but it's still Green Grass and, um, and um, Matt Damon. I think just as a little bit of background from me on when I went to see it, avoiding first thoughts for a minute. When you bring out a film series back after a very long period of time where they, maybe they've said for a few years, not interested, but I'll come back if that director come back. A bit like if Bale did come back and do another Batman film with Nolan. If they announced that now, it would be odd, given it we have had the Matt Reeves version, which was very good in my opinion. But you would naturally start thinking, oh, they must have a brilliant idea. You know, you, you can't. they aren't the sort of people that just come back for a paycheck, you know, particularly when, you know, Damon's health, uh, health career was in good health. So I think at the outset, I went into this film kind of jazzed for it because Tommy Lee Jones, it feels like another upgrade again. You've, you've had like, you've had... Uh, david strathern and you've had brian cox and you've had albert finney though he was a bit wasted now you've got tommy lee jones who is like a proper a-lister at this stage rather than was the bad guy was going to be vincent cassell and you think well that that's kind of an upgrade on what we've had before alice alicia vikander's career was really hot at this point after things like ex machina and so on although this was pre the tomb raider film she did that's from so, little house near me the Tomb Raider. We may do the Tomb Raider films sometime. I, I, no I'm one's right. ever asked for them, but we might do. Let's see. Maybe maybe when the sequel <laughs> comes out. Has no mind? one's Somebody asked for it. Go, no. no one's asked for it, but you're getting it anyway. No, it's, it anyway. no I'm saying if, a, if this Tomb Raider sequel they're talking about came out and let's say it was good, we might think, let's look at all of them. 
but we might consider we might consider it. One of them has Daniel Craig in it, even though he's um, not good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was in two thousand and one. It wasn't quite That's Daniel Craig as he became. Yeah, although the first one stylistically was really accurate to the games. Um, yeah. And this, the second film probably did more to make a star of Gerard Butler than anything else. To that one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always a fine balance, isn't it? Especially where Lara Croft is concerned as well. You kind of got that balance between, mm. you know, yeah. action and adventure. So and but, also but being a female um, Indiana Jones as well. So. And what I could liken this to is, it, so it's those two things. So the first thing is, it, it's a bit like if Nolan and Bale came back now after a decade. You know, you go, wow, you must have, you really must have something to say here. We can't guarantee the end result because I didn't love The Dark Knight Rises, but th- that's a good filmmaker and a very honest actor in that he does stuff that genuinely seems to interest him and gives his all to it. But the, the extra dimension would be what we've had since is, is Batman in the sort of Snyderverse, but we've also had Batman in a Matt Reeves film. As like an a you know an A list Hollywood release really if you like, I guess what it would be more like is had they carried on, but with the Blake character as Batman, if Joseph Gordon-Levitt had made a Batman film like three or four years later with the Blake character as the new Batman, that would have been a bit more then had they come back. So I went in extremely. Um, excited about this um it did very well it had a decent budget it's the second highest grossing of the board films it, it did 415 million dollars for context i think the th- second or third one whichever one it was i said did 440 something so i just think at the outside i just want to say when it came out it was one of my films of the summer that i was like desperate to go and see what about you guys Did you see it at the time um yeah i sadly missed this one at the cinema um and I, I literally have not seen it um, until this podcast. So, yes, I shall reveal my thoughts shortly. Chris, what, what, before Chris comes in, what made you avoid it? Was there a lack of interest? Was it the fact you didn't like the Bourne legacy? Was it other things going on in life? Because we were going as a podcast at the, that point. So We, we were, were at this time. I think I just it just slipped my radar. It was mm. kind of something that I wanted to see. Uh, but I didn't get to see it at the cinema. Um, so it wasn't just, a conscious avoid, is what I mean. No, 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 no. It's just literally accidental. A, a lot of things, a lot of films like that, for example, I might miss at the cinema because um, it was just 2016. So it was going through a bit of upheaval at that time. It was just before I moved. Hmm. Um, going to cinema was quite expensive <laughs> in the last few years. Um, so it just it literally just slipped my radar. I wasn't like, oh, I hate that. Well, obviously, the last film was sort of mixed bag um yeah literally just you know just dropped, dropped off on my radar really um i was doing other things and just obviously time went and i just never saw it and then it was on film four um in january um so i recorded it off the telly um and then watched it for this podcast so that was it really that's my journey it's not very exciting nothing really on purpose um but yeah i just dropped off my radar and hadn't seen it since and saw it for here pretty much so anyway chris i know you guys are the action junkies uh, yeah, I, I did see the cinema. Um, I did, did we do um, a, a summer review of this? I can't remember. We did. I'm saying, did it, it, yeah, we did. If you, if you go back it's been to that the, lo- the first, crazy, it's been that, that long, a long time ago. No, the, the first summer review we ever did was 2016, and it, it was Chris's idea. He was like, I think maybe we were on a bit of a hiatus or something, or mm. I think it may even be one weekend Becca wasn't available, and Chris said, let's just go on and record something anyway, and we just chatted through. Films we'll have to go a summer. long way back on, on um, the thread to find out what the reason was. It would was. be the Cinematronics podcast and it would be episode, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there. 
Um, and we, we definitely talked about this film. Um, maybe when in first thoughts I'll reveal what we said there, but I, I know you saw it at the time. Um, were you excited for it coming back after a decade? Or... You know what? I, I kind of can't remember. I think because I was never always like a Jason Bourne fan, but even though I I would always watch it if it came out and and have with um, with certain expectations, think oh this should be good kind of thing. But I was never like full on excited. Hmm. Um, I I think because of like after the last one with Damon felt like well that just feels like a natural end of the story's character and the the next the last last week's film we covered didn't really go anywhere. It just felt like a, oh okay, well let's see what this one's like then. You know what I mean? It was um it it, it didn't really sort of have like I didn't have too much riding on it. Though, given the talent evolved, it's like, oh, should be decent enough. I had uh, what so. I had one worry going in, and I'm reminded of something you said to me in a podcast years ago, not about this film, and I can't even remember what podcast it was on. I suspect, hmm, it might have been one of the Rocky films, and the reason I say that is, I, we, we were likely to be talking about Carl Weathers. Because we were talking about why he wasn't a bigger star, and um, so I, if I had to guess, it would be Rocky or Rocky Two. Um, if I had to really pin my colours to the mast, it would be Rocky Two because we were talking about what a good physical actor he was in that mm. fight. Because at the end of that fight, he's exhausted and they're both out on his feet, and he sells it even better than Sly. And I, I remember talking about how how much of being a star is luck and timing and everything else, and why wasn't he a bigger star? And I think I said something like, if it ever was to have happened, it would have been Action Jackson. And you said, and I said, but I must admit, I've never seen it. And you said, and I don't remember your exact words, but it was something along the lines of, Action Jackson was like a hair metal band, like a, a cock, an 80s cock rock band releasing an album just as Nevermind comes out. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've heard that analogy before, so I've used it. So, but but that's kind of what it's like. It's and, like and I it... thought that this is the year Civil War comes out. It's a year after Age of Ultron. It's four years on from. I know it's not a superhero film, but it's in the action genre. The 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 Nolan Batman films had finished a bit on the weak side, and I just thought the the previous Nolan trilogy had been Shaky Camp, which had got very dated. The previous Nolan trilogy, sorry, the, the Bourne films to date, certainly the Matt Damon ones had been ever increasing Shaky Cam, and it had been a lot of various, you know, serious people in suits in situation rooms, furrowed brow saying get him. And films had, I mean, even the Bond film that had come out six months before is probably the goofiest of the Craig run. I mean, Spectre's not goofy, it's still a Craig Bond film, but it's the one that feels most like a traditional Bond film of his run. And I, I just thought. The most watching more of the. Yeah, I, you can't really compare because his run is something different, <laughs> but I remember when, when we saw Spectre that we said, whatever you think of Spectre he needed one a bit like this because he'd done Casino Royale which felt like a Bond film to me and I love it but it was shorn of a lot of traditional elements you had 
uh, Quantum of Solace, which was like a shaky cam revenge film. You had Skyfall, which was like a deconstruction of Bond that finished almost at the start line of his career, if you like. He's back in the office, he's ready to be Bond. And we didn't have this sort of mission with a larger-than-life Blofeld type. Whatever the end result, he needed one of his canon that you point to and go, well, that's what a Bond film's like. Not, this is deconstructing what a Bond film is like. Mm. So I did have this one worry that you're going to be back in a room and it would be, a again, the other thing I can liken it to is they brought 24 back a few years after it finished. It was struggling from about season six anyway. Season six was the writer's strike and they changed direction. With, which one is this now? There was two ones. I can't remember. Now there was a 24 where Jack Bauer's back. I'm talking London about Bauer. Life. I'm not talking about the legacy one with the... Um, Pfeiffer guy in it. I'm yeah. talking about Jack Bauer coming back. So you had five seasons of varying quality, but but must see television. Um, it was the sort of thing people used to talk about at work. I know that's less so now because it's fragmented and streaming, and we're all watching different things. But it got to season five, which was the corrupt president Gregory Itzin, who died last week, by the way. Gregory Itzin. So I feel safe to mention really? because he's part. Yeah, he, he died last week. Oh, aged about seven, aged about seventy three. I, I I saw it in, I saw it on Twitter. Uh, he's died within the last few days, Gregory Itzin. Uh, and then season six, um, you had a writer's strikes, and the plot wasn't going anywhere. So they kind of changed their mind after eight episodes in, and it was a disjointed mess. And then they tried to save it by like relocating him. So season seven was Washington, I think season eight. And that was the one with the person who's just played the ball queen in Picard. I've forgotten her name now, the redhead. Um, and then he was in New York for a season. And it went away and it had died and it had had his time. It's all this, you know, picking it up the phone and damn it and send it to my PDA now. And it got very formulaic and it ended up with Jack in rooms beating confessions out of people. And it just served its time. And that post 9-11 era of even a portion of society believing the ends justify the means. You know, we're keeping the world safe so waterboarding's alright or whatever had passed. So they brought it back in London. I'm going a very long way round on this point. But they brought it back in London. And did a 12 episode one. I think every episode was like two hours instead of an hour. It wasn't quite real time. And I was really excited for it. I was even tweeting about it. 24 starts again tonight. Brilliant. I put it on and I switched it off within 20 minutes. It was like the era of this has done. And it's not that it's even bad. It's just it belongs to another time and it's played out. So I think that was my worry going in. Um, So I'll be very brief on first thoughts. My first thoughts are... It felt like Born Light. Alicia Vikander is not Joan Allen. I, I think she's a decent actress, but she's not Joan Allen. Tommy Lee Jones is it, just a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a cliche now of what we've seen before because they've shown us the same type of leads to these organisations three or four times now. So it's lapsing into cliche. Um, he's getting a bit. How, how many people are there? Like, do you like? Here's another program, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, how, how long are you going to keep chasing this tr- these Treadstone operatives? How long, you know? Um, Aaron Cross has been forgotten. Not necessarily a bad thing, to be fair. It undercuts this sort of, this quantum of solace, this measure of comfort, this measure of a normal life we hoped he'd get. And he, mm. he clearly hasn't. And then uh, there was one small thing that I think I would have mentioned in the summer review of it. 
there's one shot in this film that just tells me that their heart's not in it the same way and that Greengrass is now not as hands-on in, in, in finding out if the technology at least even makes sense because they sharpen a picture at one point of Vikander's character but they seem to sharpen it off one pixel to perfect you know the the technology leaps are just getting more hand wavy more like we'll just sharpen that picture you know it's like it's like some of the worst um seasons of star trek where enhanced they just, kind of thing yeah enhanced so i and i just remember just coming out going I, I don't know what the point of that was and i don't really know what they why they brought it back and you know, the, again, the government conspiracy angle of it, you know, the, the funding this kind of Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg type. Um, I, I was a bit baffled by it. And, and the end result is OK. I had a better time with it this time. Um, and maybe we can go into more detail as we go through it. How did you guys find it? OK, I want to hear your opinion as a first watch. Um, yeah, first time watch. Mm. Yeah, but comedian sight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, I did struggle a little bit with this one. I think I need to watch it again because, like, in terms of the action, um, for me it's probably one of the strongest of the series. But in terms of like really short, really kind of um, a lot of story and character development um, is, you know, could, there could be so much more in terms of that rather than just, oh, it was his dad, you know, it was his father, he set it all up. Um, it just seems kind of very paper thin. Um, so, like, you know, there could be a lot more kind of like plot, you know, try to tie this all in together in a very satisfactory way where it's kind of left very open ended. Is there going to be a sequel? Will she chase him again at the end? Um, you know, is, is there going to, will we see a, you know, a return of that other character? Um, lots of loose, lots of loose ends here that weren't really tied up. Um, it's, as I say, I, I would t- I would kind of agree a little bit, David. It's, uh, the same with the last film. It's a little bit born like, even though we do have born and we haven't got that Baron Cross, whatever his name was, the other guy. Um, it's a bit, it's a bit kind of like I don't know. Born by numbers, born by numbers. You've got all the ingredients, um, but it doesn't kind of do anything new. Um, but it's, it's great to see. Do you, you know, think that's the problem? I, I just I, want to just ask a question about that, Becca. Do you think this film would have been better had it been the second or third film? Do you think it's that it's weaker, or do you think it's that we're just seeing the same thing yet again? Yeah, same. It's kind of same again, especially because we've had such a big gap as well between between the last film as well. I think there was a there was a, a video game in, in between. I can't remember when exactly it would have come up, would have came, been released. Um, would have would have featured Matt Damon, but. Because the, the violent, you know, it was. I remember sort of reading reports on that at the time that it was the violence had to be toned down. So otherwise, they would have, you know, worked together on on the interim on, in that game. Um, but he didn't, so they didn't, um, which, which is a shame. But it's, you know, it's good to kind of see them together again, as it were. Um, but yeah, I think it's because it is more of the same. I mean, the action scenes are great. Um, I love that kind of. Obviously, shaking camera has been has been toned down as now. It's kind of not as new. It's not as novel as as as, as it was back in the day. Um, also, just to apologise, it's very hot here in England at the moment, so excuse me if I start to droop towards the end. Um, I've got a family I always apologise when I, I always apologise when I droop. <laughs> well, this is it. Um, just as if you can hear anything, I've got a fan going in the background, so apologies <laughs> for any sort of. It could be noise. mine. Mine's going as well. It's really hot in here. Yeah, yeah. it's it quite warm. So, well, as high high twenties, thirties is is very warm for 
English number time. I was in Romania last week. It was 36 or 97, depending Wasn't on it, where you're from. They're a bit hardier there. They're used to it in, you know, in, yeah. in the hot countries. So. Yeah, so I've been in extreme um, heat, but suddenly it's really hot and humid here. And now you come back to England, they go, well, oh, it's think, a bit cooler. The thing is, you come back from there and you've got so used to the heat. I wouldn't say used to it. It was wearing me out by the last day. Yeah, you're but you come back here and you've acclimatised to the point that like it just doesn't feel hot. But like 10 days later... That acclimatization's gone, and I am roasting here. <laughs> you acclimatise back to like English summertime, oh dear. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've got some water on the go, and I've got a fan going in the background, so I try not to wilt too much. Um, yeah, as I say, yeah, just to kind of answer your question, really. Um, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, really great action scenes, and then the epic fight between Bourne and and, and the asset. Like at the end, is just literally you feel every punch. Oh my god. Um, <sighs> Uh, but yeah, for, for me, it's kind of like it's, it's the quantum. <laughs> but that's not to say like quantum is a bad film. It's rising up, you know, people's expectations. There are Bond fans out there who think it's like it's their favourite, not just as a Craig Run, but it's the aging series. Well. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's a little bit kind of by numbers, um, and obviously there's kind of been a big gap, and it doesn't kind of tie everything up satisfactorily at the end. So it's kind of like obviously left it open for the sequel, you know, which is fine. Um, but strong performances, at least for Kanda, or Vikanda, I can't pronounce her name. Um, it's fantastic. I watch whatever she whatever she's in. I, Listen to her read the phone book. Um, really enjoyed doing Ex Machina. That was a fantastic film. Went to see that quite a few times. Um, I thought Tony Jones was quite good. I mean, to be fair, he is a bit kind of typecast as kind of like grumbly, um, you know, CIA agent pulling all the strings. Not agent, but director pulling all the strings from the background. Um, eventually gets, you know, what's coming to him. Um, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's kind of like casting... Um, sorry to interrupt, Becca. No, you carry but... on. No, 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 no. But I just thought, just chip in with like with what you said with Tommy Joe. It's kind of like casting um, uh, Blofeld as what they do in Craig. What's his name? Ah, oh, his name. Um, Waltz. Yeah, sort of phones it in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect casting, and it's just like. Uh, yeah, it's like he knows he's there just to do that one role, and it's <laughs> like it's the role that he does so well. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's great to see him though. I, I didn't expect it because like I sort of went into this film a little bit blind. I did a little bit of reading around it, um, but I sort of went in with like minimal knowledge to try and you know up the up the surprise factor. And I was like, oh, but uh, you know, he kind of he delivers like quite meaty lines, um, with a quite you know a sort of a really serious serious face, you know, um, really expression expressionless almost, um, which is very creepy. Um, but like he use sort of like tone and affection in his voice to sound like oh you know he's kind of you know, sort of making a throwaway comment or, you know, you think he'll, you think he's just sort of laughing something off, but actually, you know, he's very menacing. Um, so, you know, obviously he's a legend director, incredibly talented. Um, but I just kind of feel like here, he just, I was phoning it in ever so slightly. Um, but Vince Cassell's brilliant. Um, I haven't, French cinema is probably one of my, one of my weak spots, unfortunately. Um, and I haven't seen him in anything for a long, long time. Um, I think I've got, I've got back to one in my collection. Oh, what's the two-part French film I watched him in from years ago? Hang on a minute. But I'm sure there's, you know, he's, he's done loads since and obviously appeared in... No, I, I need, I need to look up, because I, I I like French... Oh, La Haine. No, no, no. La Haine wasn't two-part, was it? No, no, that wasn't La Haine. I'm thinking of something else. Hang on. Massey or... Merine. Merine. Merine, yeah. Or spelt, sure. Spelt Mesrine. Yeah, Killer Instinct. Yeah, that was meant to be quite good, wasn't it? Definitely. Yeah, it was two um, films, yeah, both it's, it's, really good. He's, he's brilliant in you know, whatever reason. I mean, my point is that the cast is fantastic, but it's just the fact that it's you know, kind of kind of more of the same, really. And for me, it didn't tie everything up at the end. Um, but the action scenes are brilliant. It's great, you know, amazing location hopping. It's kind of everything you'd really want from, from a Bourne film. Um, but yeah, just kind of more of the same after too long a gap. Um, so kind of 
it's that gap, of, isn't it? Is, it yeah, it's, it's, it's the gap. If this, had, if this had I come out, sounds, that sounds really bad. But yeah, if this had come out in 2010, maybe I'd be more kindly disposed. I'd still think it was diminishing returns, but I mean, I'd, I'd probably yeah. see it again and be like, oh yes, that's the best one of the series. But I mean, in terms in terms of like the action, for example, and, and locations, um, but I just kind of feel like it's very action action heavy. But it's that at the expense of kind of story and plot, which could see a bit more development. Um, but uh, to be fair, this is fun fact. This is the only one that Tony Gilroy wasn't involved in, and that's probably a bit better for it. I know that's really bad, but that's my controversial. I just think as well, you've, you, you're at the point where it's Treadstone again, and we're like 14 years on from the first film, and they're still sort of sifting through issues with that, and trying to pick off agents from there. They've got a new wrinkle on it, but because it's been like I say a week. I'm having to look at a synopsis so I don't get confused with the third one in terms of what the plot setup is. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm kind of agree with you. It's basically a film that came a bit too late, uh, and it's past its time. Um, that being that being said, I I, I did enjoy, I I did enjoy its watch. But however, like the first time I watched it, I enjoyed it, but then never bothered to revisit it uh, and i never 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 fancied watching it um, since since now and it's like the godfather 3 it's a coda it's a coda you can do without because it's not really part of the same self-contained story that three finished well, with yeah it's it's just a bit of a it's a bit of a shame because the, the, there are there are things in it that are, that are good but i think that's kind of wavered down by a like very much after the fact uh, and also it because it's going, it's moved on from shaky cam and and that kind of like, um, that sort of work that in that sort of time, you know, we're not like you know we're not like in the mid two thousands now. It's it, it it's kind of like sort of shifted into something a bit more contra- um, conventional. So it, it, in a way, it almost like just sort of it comes like any other like action movie it's sort of which, become the norm now hasn't it really i mean which, it's, it's amazing that he sort of pioneered this technique but now it's kind of got to well, the point where it's you, a bit past you, it you think about the born, like the born films and what like made that kind of like stand out had its own forgive me identity of its own um I, I, no pun intended it gave part. it supremacy <laughs> 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 well here's my ultimatum um no uh, <laughs> the uh <laughs> It's rude. It's like I say. Uh, yeah, we've done that. Um, it's it, it it it's kind of like you know, you're born had a bit more of a realistic edge. Now, like the opening scene is born doing like, um, like underground boxing fights, which doesn't sound very bornish. Of like straight away, I'm like, I don't see that character ever doing that. It's like just like joining to which day, but not only that, it's like we introduce him and he just decks the guy out in one punch. Now, I now I understand that might happen reality, like you know, fights don't always end up there, you know, as long as they can do in movies. But the way that's done just seems like, yeah, I'm a tall, hard ass. Like, like, like next time we see him, he's like, he's he's getting beaten up by his guy, but it's almost like he's like, oh, I'm just not even bothering. And it's like the moment he wants to end it, it's like oh, okay, fine, I'll just like I just, I just deck him and it's done then. It it's just it it just makes him a bit more like you know like your, your, your Superman type sort of 
80s action hero. Do you know what I mean? It's and I and I and I'm not saying I have a problem with that in in itself, but that just seems like a complete tonal shift from what was before. And it's like you, the, it's almost like the the movie's kind of like betrayed its roots just to kind of fit in with the with the current trend, or just because it it kind of had to move on. You couldn't think of anything else. It, it's you need dangerous to do it that. Just be more now, I'll tell you the issue with that for me. The, the issue for it with me is trying to balance judging what we got against what we think we should get. It's like talking about The Dark Knight Rises again. I, I remember saying I have to be cognizant of the fact that this wasn't the Batman film I wanted. This wasn't where I wanted the character to go. So does that make it less valid? Has the filmmaker quote-unquote got it wrong to take that Because character? it didn't meet my personal yeah. expectations. Um, when I look at Jason Bourne, I think he'd largely dealt with whatever guilt he had in the first three films. So I'd, there's something very masochistic about being in this underground fighting scene that would almost feels like self-punishment. And I don't see that as mm. where Bourne was emotionally at the end of the trilogy we've already seen with him. Secondly, realistically, no matter how good you are, if you're doing bare-knuckle fighting the whole time, you're going to have pretty mashed-up features, unless it's his first fight. A bit like Pretty Woman, where like she's a prostitute, mm. but it's her first night on the street, she hasn't shagged anyone yet. Yeah, he comes off of that looking pretty good. I kind of imagine, you know, you'd obviously have like cuts and bruises and everything. I mean, earlier in the... In the film, obviously, you see well, a I mean, massive he, bruise he, over his eye, but you think, oh, how has he recovered so quickly? I saw, well, well, well Bourne had a... a, a, a well, pet... he's, he just knocks everyone out first punch, it doesn't matter. No, well, that's just ridiculous, because no one would want to see him fight if it was one punch every time, would they? Um, but, I, I, in my head, Bourne having a good outcome in his life, because obviously there are various shades of bad or indifferent outcomes. No, I suppose the indifferent outcome would have been... He's got a, he feels he has to stay off the grid, so he wouldn't want his name appearing anywhere. He would basically be where John Connor was at the start of Terminator 3. He'd be working cash in hand in construction and things like that. that that's how I saw him living in the indifferent way. The, the, the positive outcome would be regime change at the CIA and he's no longer in any hit list, and he's left alone to live peacefully, and eventually he comes to understand, or at least believe, he doesn't have to be off the grid anymore. He can take any one of the passports he's got, and just go, okay, I'm living as that person now safely. But I thought he would live off the grid, I thought he'd be doing something manual, just by nature of the fact that cash in hand jobs tend to be that, so he would be in some kind of manual labour, stroke construction, stroke something like that. I didn't see him doing bare knuckle fighting. The the other thing is, and I haven't heard anyone mention this, so forgive me if this has come this has, has been mentioned like outside of this podcast. But the idea of this being called Jason Bourne. Now I get with like the Bourne identity and whatnot. I mean that Bourne was like what he was like the main name he, he had as a little but we know that's not his real name. So why is this like surely the title should be David Webb? Well, you'd yeah, struggle to market that, to be fair, wouldn't I... you? You'd struggle to market that, to be fair. But I think also this, again, I keep using the Batman uh, uh, parallels, but it's a bit like Batman's the real him. You know, they tried to tell him at the end of the film it would be, you know, um, you know, you 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 really are sort of 
you really are Jason Bourne. You can't deny your sort of um, thing. But the, I mean, uh, novels by Ludlam, we, we, we've all been filled, but they, there was continuation novels by Eric Van Lusbader, and there are 12 of them. Um, Wheat van, bread van. I know. I'm thinking. I I thought of, my mind went. <laughs> I've str- read any of his books. So that's how I know. Him. Episode two, season three, Red Dwarf marooned. Yes, we, our brains went to the same place. But he's done twelve, and the guy called Brian Freeman's come in and done three, and then uh, well, no, the the, the ones after that are just Treadstone. I need to check them out. I've read the Ludlum stories, of course, because they're so I need to read the others. There are fifteen titles out there that could, you know. And, and it, they were only loose fits to start with. You could have taken another one, but Born Legacy's been used. That was Eric Van Lusbeder. Uh But you got Born Betrayal, the Born Sanction, the Born Deception, the Born Objective, Dominion, Imperative, Retribution, Ascendancy, Enigma, Initiative, Nemesis. Mm-hmm. You know, the Nemesis was abandoned apparently. I, I am just Wikipediaing this. But the uh, Jason Bourne yes, again. Yes, it was quite popular, but I think at the time you had other films come out with a similar title. I think we're starting to follow trends. I think that's the point. I think that had this developed into the Bond series, this is the this is the sort of diamonds are forever live and let die era where it starts to be less confident that it's his own product there aren't many like it but how many films with working titles around this time were the character's name in 2008 Mm. you had rambo but its working title was john rambo and there were others like that that aren't coming to mind now but there, there were there were several and i just think like it it i think you're right it's lost the thing that's made it unique and they've got to sort of reinvent mental turmoil for him. I know he finished the last film injured, but he dealt with his his guilt and grief over Marie, over um, the you know the various murders he, he committed, mm. over you know botched murders even not because he didn't murder them, but because he kind of he started his life started going down this path because he lost his bottle doing a murder, so. I thought he dealt with that. So you've got to go down the old father angle now. And it, and it's just cooking up another mystery for him to solve. And that isn't what I expected. And, yeah, and again, it's old. like, all right, so, so not, only, not only that, his dad was involved. Never in, mentioned. In, never mentioned in three and films. Try, and, try, and try to protect, you know, protect him from this. It's all very, like, um, redconned. And you got and you suddenly got, like, Tommy Lee Jones... Which fair enough, you know, d- decent catch, you know, does 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 a fairly decent job in a role, you know. It's like he's 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 good on screen, you know. Yeah, but, he, ne- he never again, quite phones it in, does he? Di- why why isn't why is it not like David Strathairn character or 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 Scott Shepard, generally speaking? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If it's like the the head head guy, it should be. It should be that, sure. It's almost like they want to reinvent it, but they've got nothing to reinvent it with. If you want to bring Bourne mm. back, you've got to have him mentally unsure of a load of things again. And now he's got it. Right, he, we didn't have his dad mentioned. Okay, he had amnesia. Maybe that bit of memory had come back. But, like, the central issue of trying to find Jason Bourne, hunt him down, member of Treadstone... Treadstone being questioned in Congress, etc., etc., and Richard Webb never gets mentioned. Bit of a stretch. Yeah. Shall we discuss this film sequentially? Um. Okay. So let's start. So where do we start? 
restart. Um, little recap. It's a long film as well, two and a half hours. No, it isn't. It's just over two. I think you've got film four. You got all the adverts in it. <laughs> well, exactly. This is I was two hours and the, three minutes. I was through all the breaks, and it was yeah, like two hours. Yeah, the so. bit where they tried to sell me a Dyson every twenty <laughs> minutes was to, crap. From January, so a bit where they tried to have. And apparently, he, he wants us to go to the DFS sale. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, no, I was through. Yeah, and it's about two hours. So. Yeah, it is. It is. I think I can't remember what I said. Legacy was now. It's longer than the three Matt Damon films we've had to date. I think. Mm. Um. Yeah, this yeah, is certainly, certainly one of the longest for sure. Yeah, this is um, he's hiding out. I mean, we got to recap. We get all the flashbacks of his training. Yeah, it's a bit. Actually. It's a bit kind of like, especially with these films, especially because there's been a big gap in between. It's like previously on Bourne, you know. Yeah, I think we'll just go straight to Greece. He's in Greece. He's been there for a number of years, and he's just basically doing, you know, bare knuckle fighting to make a living. <laughs> and the one fight we see him have, he just knocks him straight out. Um. When I said the film's going to follow trends from now on, what I was actually thinking about was this hacktivist angle. You know, the whole anonymous thing. It's like, you've come back to say something new, you've missed the first wave of anonymous and stuff like that. And it is that, you know, the way the Bond producers say, the first thing we do is what's happening in the world today. Um, you can argue we've had plenty to say over it over time. It's it's an approach. It's a sort of a valid approach. The problem is, by the time film comes out, it tends to be a bit old hat. But yeah, Nicky Parson is now a, basically a hacker. Julia Stiles' character. Mm. Unless we want to say any more about Greece. But there Spoiler is much... alert. I'm really surprised that she got killed off. So I was kind of thinking, oh, hopefully Spoiler they do. Spoiler alert, yeah. Spoiler alert for a film that's well, quite a Well, again, it just seems like another rehack of what happened in the second film. It's well, like it yeah, the excuse it? to get him back in the field, you know, get him on the. Mm. Um, so yeah, so she's become a bit of a. Yeah, yeah like, she's uh, working with a version of Anonymous. She's mm. living in Iceland. Don't know why, but she's in Iceland. Off and, the grid. Off the grid. Yeah, and the grid. they get into sort of Treadstone files, and find out information about Born and his father. Um, and the, the salient point at this time is that they were monitoring Bourne, uh, previously J- uh, David Webb, before he volunteered. And we don't see it all at this stage, but she sees mm. it all and burns the evidence. But of course, the, the hack is kind of traced. And Heather Lee, the Alicia Vikander character, sort of sees what's going on and sees what they're seeing. So CIA centrally now know what is known, which is Jason Bourne was more to the CIA than even he realised. Is mm. that a fair summary? Pretty much, yeah. So basically, like, they've they've got like all oh, Jason Bourne back in play. Uh, then you find out that it's Nikki as well. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I really it's don't. It's pretty soon the way they kind of figure out. Um, so. Yes, we're introduced to to Heather Lee, who is Alicia Vikander, doing a really bad American accent. It doesn't quite get there. It's uh, yeah. It's... I was I was trying to sort of place it. I mean, I obviously can't do one myself, but obviously she's you know international background. But I don't know. She kind of did okay. But yeah, we'll, we'll where's Alicia Vikander <laughs> from? Okay. Sweden, is she? She's Swedish. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um... I just kind of I just kind of wander a little bit, but she's fairly solid. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's she's definitely got presence as well. But again, it's almost like the um, what I said last week with um, Rachel Rise is like, 
well, you can ask Rachel Weisz, why don't you just have a British? There's no reason why she can't be British. You know, in, in yeah, sense, it's, it's, it's a bit it, strange, isn't it? But I, I think she's definitely, you know, magnetic. Well, hang on a minute. I've only got one caveat to that. Um, I'm married to a Romanian. She couldn't work for MI5 or MI6, not without an American, not without, yeah. a British, not without think, a British passport. I think, I think that's what I meant. So why don't you just cast American? And I know like she's popular, but then surely you'd you'd cast it apart though. Or you've got to explain she's naturalised American. It's as simple yeah. as that. I think you. I think for some of them you have to be British born. Yeah, you, um, you kind of do like the do with yeah. like um, Van Damme and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, you know, grown up in in Brussels or yeah. Or I'm Canadian. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand this. They were obviously. If you got a Swedish character, they'll cast an English actor or an American actor and do an accent. You you got to imagine Paul Greengrass is a sort of at the apex of casting. I know they have casting people, but by and large, if you have power as a director, which he will have, they'll have tried to been teasing him back for a decade for this. He's not just for hire. His his opinion would be respected. You got to say he's probably the final say on casting, and he's not American either. So mm. he may not have noticed the accent's a bit shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably like us thinking, like, well, it's the, it's a better job than I would do, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it, yeah, better job than I would do as well, so. Uh, and, of course, she's she's now married to, like, Fassbender, isn't she? So he's gone, how do you do an American accent, Michael? And he's gone, like my Murphys, I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's very lucky. Um, if you ever go back and watch X-Men First Class about halfway through the film he just lapses into Irish and doesn't come back out of it like he's yeah, gone, he fuck he it sort of, I mean, he's very good at you know he's one of these sort of chameleon type actors he can kind of do most things most accents but there's another one that's kind of wander around the world well I saw I saw Thor Love and Thunder last night and honestly you've got Russell Crowe play, playing Zeus and it reminded me of him Robin Hood all those years ago where his voice oh, wow. went his voice went through Ireland and Yorkshire and fucking Newcastle so, and everywhere. He went everywhere. I, I thought that, but I just well, I was just thinking like that Harry Hill character, you know, the uh, kebab shop owner. Oh, it it <laughs> oh, reminded me of uh, Hello Hello with what a mistake of a maker, right? <laughs> he, he's met Zeus, I'm presuming because it's a Greek god that was yeah. meant to be Greek, but he kept lapsing into Italian and I was brought up by an Italian. So I thought, why Zeus Italian? And then my wife said to me, it's Greek, it's a Greek accent. I said, it isn't purely a Greek accent, I can promise you, because some of that is... Yeah, you just travel around. Some of that's Italian. It travels all over the place. But yeah, so at this stage, Heather Lee seems a... I don't know what her sort of rank is. Um, she's certainly to do with sort of... Yeah, she's like cybersecurity kind of like... Okay. But she seems like a decent, honest professional at mm. this stage. And you could even argue by film's end, she is. She's just ambitious and could be just saying what her superiors want to hear. But we'll discuss that near the end of the film. But she basically goes to um, Dewey. The only way I can remember him is Dewey lost the election to um, uh, the guy who succeeded FDR in America. Truman. Yeah, Dewey. That's the only way I can remember his name. Um, and says, you know, they say, well, this has got to be Bourne. Bourne's been in this file, and they're mm-hmm. worried that it's going to jeopardise their latest pro- program because every film has to have a new fucking program, Iron Hand. And so they start in process the. And it and it and it's like Treadstone, but on steroids, you know. Like... Yeah. You never get a kinder, gentler Treadstone, do you? This is no. like Treadstone, but our, our, you know, we'll let them play with a puppy before we kill them. Um, so he gets out uh, another sort of um, 
agent, Vince Cassell's character. Mm-hmm. And as it happens quite a lot in this series, we never get a name for him. Um, there seems to be some sort of personal grudge because, you know, Bourne left the program and it led to a series. This is why I get it confused with the end of the third film and the start of Legacy, that it kind of started this process of everything coming out publicly which is why Aaron Cross was being hunted and everything else. Mm. And they sort of blend into one. But it's now like, go kill Bourne. Because, you know, he exposed us once and he's he's into all this again. And it's partly self-preservation because what we will later find out happened with his father. Bourne's father, of course. Mm. Nicky goes to find Bourne because he works out that's where he is. Can't remember how. And I think this is the film's first action sequence, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it just, again, felt a bit... It was all right, but I've seen it all before. It's another chase. He's trying to keep Nicky safe, but again, if you've ever seen a film and you look at your watch, you know, how far into the film we are, I think Nicky's going to die here. And I think I, th- I, think I yeah. thought that, I think I thought that on first viewing. Yeah, I thought that too. I, was, like, I wasn't surprised by it at all. If she was a new hacktivist who went to find him, you know, someone we'd not met. No, she wouldn't die here, but because it's Nikki, she's, she's been brought back as a sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. It's like history repeating itself kind of thing. You, you kind of think, yeah, you just, it's just the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of felt the same. Um, mm. You know, it's all relatively well done. I thought the action's really good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. But um, she, she tosses, so, she tosses born like a is it a locker key or something i can't mm-hmm. remember now and um you know once again he's left regretting the woman he couldn't save and it's like we've seen this um and the film doesn't even do the courtesy of reminding us that these two used to be something of a romantic item for anyone watching jason Bourne as their first film they got the flashback well but you didn't I mean, get you Bourne didn't get, doesn't seem to give a shit so. you, you don't get much of why she mean, meant anything to him except they've got some professional history you know and I'm sure you've had work colleagues that if they passed away you'd be really upset but like mm. wouldn't be life defining to you you wouldn't carry guilt it was like oh I really like them that's how terrible and it's not sold as anything more than that um, in the meantime there's it's a personal now it's yeah. personal now oh um Harry Enfield's television program is now on uh, I think it's is it Netflix or Britbox it's on one of them so it's on can, Netflix. So you can okay, you can yeah. actually watch that in a slightly better picture quality than the version <laughs> on YouTube. Do you check it out? It's hilarious. I can't recommend it highly enough. I was just sending you photos of it the other day. Like, look what I'm watching. Yeah, literally. Oh my god. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, if you're a fan of British comedy, do check it out. But a little bit is now slightly off colour, but but hilarious nonetheless. This there is something very derivative about this film because we've 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 gone straight for the hacktivist theme. And now we're going straight to the sort of social media program mm. type theme. Bear in mind, what year was the social network? I mean, we know Facebook was like 2007 in wide use. Social network was 2012, wasn't it? Or wasn't it, that time? wasn't yeah. it 10 or tw- It was 10 or 12, one of the two. We're a few years after that now. I don't know when the Steve Jobs film came out, but but whatever the case, this doesn't feel very fresh, does it? Yeah, 2010, you're right, sorry. Okay, this doesn't. F- I thought, f- yeah, because Facebook got big very quickly then, because we'd all had our Facebook accounts about only three years by that point. It's not that long. Okay, so we're straight into this social media angle, Riz Ahmed's character, and this is to do with 
I don't even know what the program is. It, I think it combines a lot of different things. It's, I think the idea is almost like a single sign-on for lots of things you want to do, but it does mean different things sharing privacy, which the film hand waves away. It, it has him raise the issue. You know, all these guys, Steve Jobs, Zuckerberg, all of them, they stand on stage with a microphone on and they just stroll the stage talking about their product. It's one of those. And... He actually raises the issue of security. He says people say this could be a security issue. And he goes, no, I'm committed to it not being. And you go, well, that's all right. Then I'm convinced. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Well, that's it. (laughs) People worry about security. Uh, I tell them, don't. (laughs) Thanks. I've I've said no. Well, that's fine. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, that's assuaged all my worries. (laughs) <laughs> so the film brings it up just to wave it away but um after this we find him meet, he meets with dewey and it, they're using it for surveillance purposes yeah um and I, I can't remember if don't we get more detail later that they're gonna they're talking about preemptive strikes on people or have i got this confused with the winter soldier or something uh, well, I think it's because Mar- I think with um, when it comes to this new uh, Iron Hand, uh, it's just like uh, they can yeah they can use that to target people and apparently with this Iron Hand, it's like gives them clearance to um, like target uh, civilian like, like civilians if need be. So it's just like it's it's completely so it's ever more pervasive. Tolerance. So again, we're talking about privacy and all that, which we did. But again, that that's I'm not saying it's no longer a relevant topic. Of course it is. We, we, the number of extra sort of online our online presence grows all the time. I I understand that it's still an issue, but it's not quite the hot bust button Hollywood issue that it was post 9/11, when you had things like the Patriot Act passed in America and things like that, and these preemptive sort of you know, arresting even in Britain, you know, when, when there was the big debate about arresting suspects and keeping them for 42 days, um, and so on, which didn't get through. Um, it all, it just feels it's which interesting, like, but it's not yeah, fresh. Yeah, I was going to say it's it, it's one it's one part of, part of the film. I thought, oh, that that's that's an interesting like sort of all right. You, you, you kind of updated yourself a bit there, you know, especially in terms of like social media, what that means to like the, the, the broad public, because everyone's got one, you know, and the idea of like FMB basically being hacked and, mm. and like you've been listened to and things like that, you know, it's, um, there, there was that kind of that element which I thought, oh, that, that's, that's, that's not too bad. Um, and we, and we do get mentioned that he actually was funded from the start from, by the CIA. He got a leg up essentially. Yeah. So he took their money to begin with to become successful. And so now he's kinda... now he's not comfortable. He's on the verge mm. of like repentance, really. Mm. Um, Born on the meantime is going to Berlin, um, and he meets the lead hacktivist basically, um, and he's going to view the files. Mm. And it's something to do with the fact that. It triggers a memory. We think all his memories are back, but the film... We're told all his memories are back. We've been told that. But now, because they want another adventure, they have to dream up another memory he's forgotten. And this is oh, now... Oh, yeah, that, my dad. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot my dad was blown up on a cafe, on the street in a cafe. That was, he, meets, he's, he obviously met his dad. I don't know when this is meant to be, because they don't really de-age Matt Damon very much for the flashback sequences. Mm-hmm. He looks older there than he did in the Bourne 
identity, for example. So I'm not sure when it's meant to be, but it, it is meant to be before he was hired. So I, I don't know if they just didn't do enough to de-age him or the TV screens. I mean, th- there's a waxiness to his face. They've done something. It's got a waxy finish to it. So it doesn't look good, but it doesn't look terrible. It's not emotion-breaking. But basically, he's at, he's at like a, a cafe with his father on the sort of street, you know, outside tables. His father goes to the car after telling him, um, I've done something terrible, but doesn't say what. And the car blows up. And Jason has always been told, and we'll just keep calling him Jason because that's how he's known now. Uh, Jason's always told that it was terrorists that did it. And what the files tell him is that do the files tell him the full story do the files tell him that it wasn't terrorists or do we find that out later um i don't know i'd have to rewatch it okay but at this point he knows that there's something about the cia keeping an eye on him around the time his father died okay yeah okay so she wants heather this Vikander character wants to speak to Bourne and she wants to bring him in Dewey just wants mm. him dead and then I think we go to London da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah yeah, he, yeah he, has, he has a fight with the um, the the hacker guy as well yeah the, the, there is that but, that um, is a completely pointless fight but he gets away anyway uh, just before the sort of CIA get him there, because they, they, obviously they know exactly where he is now. They've, 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 all this hacked, hacked, hacking stuff was was traced, uh, so they can figure out where he was or where he's going. Um, so, what he learns when he goes to London, this is it. He finds he finds out the truth that he was under surveillance, and that his father mm-hmm. wanted to abandon Treadstone because it didn't, it wasn't what he officially wanted it to be what it wasn't what he designed none of this makes sense to me because what you've got is an effectively a very senior man designing something and later on we find they kind of want him out of the way and replace him with the sun but the sun is just an agent it's something different the sun's a mm. killer that's not what the designer of treadstone necessarily was but um it turns out richard was killed and then it w- he was killed because they were worried that he would go rogue on them, Richard, because he set up Treadstone and now finds it unethical because it's basically just uh-huh. assassinations, including of, as we know from the first couple of films, world leaders, which is just not legal in any way. And then they set it up to look like a terrorist to give Bourne an incentive to join. That's tenuous. Yeah. Don't you think? It's not. It's not. Uh, it's I mean, not. It's not foolproof, is it? If you if you've determined to make him join. I mean, look, it, it's fine if if like if this was like the opening story for a new character, but given the fact that we've had like three movies and this has just been completely dropped out of nowhere, it's just a bit. It, it's convenient. Really? It's convenient, and it's a stretch. You know that you what you mm. you're following this kid kid in inverted commas because again if, if this is not long before the born identity presumably, presumably he's like mid-twenties or something but whatever age he is he's a man but relative to his father obviously a kid you're following and you want him to join so you think I'll kill his dad we got to kill his dad anyway but if we stage it a certain way we'll get the son and it's like 
that's not foolproof as a plan um it could it could have the opposite effect what's my father involved with he was in the cia he knows his father's in the cia he's now been murdered could have but dad's dead i don't really want to do anything i don't want any i'll go work in a fucking bank you know it's like why it doesn't follow he'd want anything to do with this i'll take off for a year i'll like i'll just stay at home with ptsd you know like yeah uh but at the in the in the interim, I mean, he, he has to threaten this guy, this treadstone guy, to get that information. He's hanging him mm. from, from a roof, you know. What a helpful chap. Um, <laughs> yeah. And eventually, kind of, obviously, Vincent Cassell's there and kills him, and Bourne yeah. gets away. Becca, what did you make of it so far? Yeah, uh, yeah. What a helpful chap. <laughs> um, yeah, I got. David actually seen. I'm a bit on kind of two minds. I do really enjoy it, but also I think it does kind of go on and on and on and on and on and on. Um, it could do with being a bit shorter and just getting on a little bit. Um, I, th- I think that was probably like one of my biggest bugbears of this film. I mean, there's obviously like over the years, the Bond has, has become sort of known, obviously the same as Bond as well, and Mission Impossible, um, and all this, um, all this kind of spy series that, that kind of that, um originated sort of in the 60s as well and that sort of time um is known for sort of you know it's globe popping and made different sort of global locations um but i kind of think that here it's just it's been kind of you know forward in terms of terms of action in terms of plot really um i mean it's, you know, it's, it's a really good opening scene um but i just kind of feel it goes on like a little bit too long so yeah it needs a bit chopping down a little bit um but yeah i just i don't know i, I think what i do need to do is probably you know, watch the film again, but obviously not the um, not the film file version. It's probably edited for television. It, it's better on it, it is better on a second watch, and I, uh, those two yeah, watches I mean, in my like, case. I just like to, I, I, you know, I, I really yeah. did enjoy it. I mean, for me, kind of the action scenes were a little bit kind of going on a bit too long, um, and then yeah, sort of to see him, you know, sort of, um, as a sort of bare knuckle, you know, boxer or MMA fighter or whatever, it was a little bit like hmm, okay, um, a little bit of Fight Club, you know. Um, or, Do you know also, why I think the action drags on? And I, I think it's because the story just hasn't done well, enough. Yeah, I think it's because the story hasn't done enough of, to yeah, convince us it needs to exist. So the the action will end up feeling like busy work, won't it? Exactly. I mean, that's why I kind of felt like it was, you know, it was a really good, really good action scene. Um, it reminded me a lot of the, the Marrakesh chasing, you know, in, in the previous film. Um, but at the, at the same time, I just kind of felt like it just needed to kind of wind on a little bit. Uh, you know, um, but I, I, yeah, the biggest shock for me was um, obviously um, Julia Stiles. Uh, I was thinking, oh no, you know, he's like she's going to come back for the sequel. <laughs> you know, I think um, the biggest which is, which is the biggest uh, thing I've missed in the whole London sequence is that this is where Heather and Dewey start to diverge mm. because she's given the go ahead to get two teams in there, like an Alpha and Beta team, to capture Bourne and the asset. And at the same time, Dewey is surreptitiously running the asset to kill it, to kill them. I thought that was really clever, though. It's so, quite, it's quite uh, interesting how she's been played. Her uh, team's mind. going down under Dewey's orders, and Dewey's going, "Cool, you've got to get your shit together here." And it's him causing the problem. Yeah, I think Heather works this out, and... and that's why she finds Bourne. And and here her motivations start to become ambiguous. That she's definite at this point, she's gonna help him get into Las Vegas where this convention of deep dream or whatever it's called is. And she's yeah. also quite ambitious as well. Like that's she's, it. Of, of, she's obviously gunning for the top job. She's at, doing yeah, the right the things. The we find out towards the end of the film she's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um. That she definitely. So it makes finds... me kind of wonder if there is a sequel. It might be about her. 
Well, I think Dewey's definitely, uh, she definitely finds Dewey deeply unethical. Mm. But I think if she... But she wants to stay on, on his good but, side. But she'd like his job as well. Yeah. But the we'll point, the point is, they're going to go to um, Las Vegas now because of Riz Ahmed and the whole social media thing. Mm. What she doesn't realise at this point, I think. She, no, she's pretty much told on the way they're going to kill him because he, he's threatening to down tools and he doesn't want anything to do with it. And he might be telling, you know, he's arrested and everything else. There, there's this... this they're putting heat on this social media baron because he's threatening not to co- cooperate with the CIA and it will either end in prison or death. And as they go to Las Vegas, she realises it's going to be death and she um, realises that Bourne will take out Dewey, finding out what's going on, so she helps him get into America. Yeah, she decides to kind of switch sides almost. But if I, I kind of thought like the ending part was a little bit like... Um, there I say it, Living Daylights slash Mission Impossible, um, you know, kind of a big, um, a big sort of ending on a stage where somebody's going to be assassinated. So it's kind of like blending all these. Well, I know, thought about it when he shot together. the lights out. When he shot the light out, I thought directly. Yeah, of the <laughs> it was a little bit. Yeah. Well, like the the opera scene. So um, it's, it's, it's Deep Dream, and Dewey is going to be like the main guest with this color because it, they, they've been. He's going to do a debate, isn't he? And, and that was another thing I thought. I can't see Dewey Tommy Joe's character like going on stage doing a debate. No, I can't. I can't he doesn't strike me as like I want that I kind of attention. And he wouldn't want to argue the rights and wrongs. He wouldn't want to argue the rights and wrongs of freedom versus surveillance and he, things like that. He'd have some lucky do it like some someone else. It'd be like you know, do you know what I mean? If it'd be like oh, well, some, some indeed, other person from the CIA. And if or... indeed he wants him murdered, why would he want to be anywhere near that stage? Yeah. It's just convenient to get him in the same city as Bourne. They haven't thought this through as well as they could have. I mean, it's it's fine, but I I just don't see. I just again, it just struck me as like I don't I won't buy that as something he'd do. And and again, he's he's never on stage as well because he puts Alicia Falcander's character in in there, and it's like because. He's, he's there. He's, well, he's talking to the asset. He says like, put put one on my shoulder so it doesn't. So it looks like believable that we're both targets. Mm. But instead, he puts he just puts these five cannons on there, and then kind of like thinks, oh, hang on, just kill them both. Yeah. And then in, instantly thought, why why isn't that the plan to begin with? Just like just oh, right, well, well either it's hurt. the plan to be. If it had been the plan to begin with, we'd buy it. But because it wasn't the plan to begin with, it just looks like the film's lurching into him being a comedy villain at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, the point is, Bourne uh, gets wind of what's... Because he doesn't have to like suspect her of, of, of helping Bourne at this point. He's just like, oh, she's a pain in the arse, just fuck her. Just like, you know, she's already pissed me off. Can I just take her out? Yeah, but it works less well as a as a change of plan halfway through even though he might start suspecting by then it's still like he's just becoming a comedy villain now but I mean effectively Bourne intervenes to stop the asset shooting mm. Kalua fatally he sort of turns a light on him living daylight style and it just makes him shoot but not miss but catch him in the shoulder um, yeah. and then he sort of moves on to find Dewey and confront him and uh yeah, basically, I don't. Dewey ends up getting the upper hand on Bourne, which I don't really understand either. He's about to shoot him, and then Heather arrives so, and shoots Dewey. How, um, I don't remember whether that happens. So, so Dewey's like right hand man. He's like. I like him working his way. Sorry, I will just add. I like Bourne working his way through the building unfound to get to that room. 
it does quite well. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's quite quite smart. You kind of see the idea of him as a bit of a shadow, as assassins would be. It's great. I love that. But sorry, Chris, you're about to explain. Yeah, so he's got like a right hand man who, and he came in and and oh, it distracted him, did it? Yeah, so she she shoots. I think uh, Bourne gets shot, or Mm. but kills the the other guy. But um, but then Dewey like sort of pulls a gun on him. But Bourne's already like kind of he already took a hit, um, and then Lisa Bangani just walks in and shoots him. Yeah, and then I think she says something like, "I think she tries to distract, uh, t- talking about her going after the asset, unless mm. I'm getting my f- films confused here." And uh, he goes and hijacks a police van, and Bourne sort of steals a was it a police car or? Uh, taxi, I and can't it, remember. Now. And it's here where I have like little like illusions of like, oh, what like Vega, what the the third Timothy Dalton movie would have been like. Cause there's a scene in Vegas where you where you like they chase on the on the Vegas Strip. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a in a. Well, in you've a read that very recently, haven't you? The Lost Adventures of Bond. Well, I remember I remember reading it in that. Yeah. Um, but it's got uh, a full description of, of all hero. that. Yeah. And some I, kind and, of hero and, and, does and, it. And, as well. and I just sort of read that. It's like it's. It, it's basically like a, a chase on a ship on a monster truck, mm. isn't it? Yes. Uh, I instantly thought like it's probably something similar to like what, with the um, the tank chase in Goldeneye. That would have either been and, amazing or really yeah, really tacky. Like and and, 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 I, could ju- I, and I just I could just sort of see that early very early nineties monster yeah. truck Vegas strip Tiffany Dalton Bond and I'm like mm. yeah I can I can vision it I can kind of and that, that's kind of one of the thing one of the reasons why I'm like oh I'm so good we didn't see that I, I, I can, didn't I can, think I can just vision it you know but um, yeah I didn't think it helped my um, image and, and early reactions to this film the way that this chase went so late in the film because everything about it should be thrilling me. Uh, very few of these chases have been at night, so it's aesthetically different. The vehicles are different. Um, it's on the strip, so it's a very different location. It's been very Eastern European, and, and I know New York, but New York's not a bright city. It's you know, in, in the same way, you know, it, it could be. It, it's not like driving around in LA or Las Vegas mm. or something like that. So I thought that I, I just remember coming out of the film. And thinking I should have loved that car chase and I was bored and I thought because it was so close to the end of the film I thought yeah they didn't need to make another board film this chase coming up which I enjoyed more this time it is well done but because it didn't thrill me as much as it should had it told me I was not that engaged with the film and hence only minutes later I walked out going yeah that was disappointing what did you think of this car chase, you guys? Um, it, again, I think it sort of sums up the, the movie in itself, in that, like, on on paper and on 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 looking at it, it looks very impressive. I mean, there's this is huge, like, mass amount of destruction going on. Um, but yeah, I don't, there's something about it which I kind of check out of it. Yes. And. And I can't put my finger on why that is exactly because, you know, because everything I see, I like think, well, this ticks all the boxes, but there's just something missing. It might be just that the story hasn't grabbed me the way it should to begin with. But yeah, that, that's 
that's kind of where where it is. It's like, well, you know, it's it, it kind of sums up the, the film in, in general. It's like everything's all done up to a decent standard, but I just don't care enough. We've sort of seen it all before, and this film was somewhat perfunctory in the way it got born back mm-hmm. anyway. Um, quite aside from the fact that I, I do return to this point, but if you start a film with Jason Bourne ten years old on still living that sort of life living that sort of lifestyle what are we trying to save him for his life's fucking miserable mm. you know what i mean it's like well if if you're never going to give him the prompt the even the suggestion of some kind of peace you might as well shoot him at the end of this what difference does it make whether he ne- will now find any peace with yet another head of the cia gone i don't know but it's unlikely because we we have this, and he ends up killing the assets, you know, by breaking yeah. his neck and stuff. But just moving forward from that, you know, the the social media guy, you know, continues that he's going to leak everything. So confusing hacktivism with social media there, but fine. But she meets with the deputy director back in Washington, explains it all, and kind of talks herself into being promoted. And she says that I think I can bring Bourne in which is a perfectly laudable objective mm. and he's got some trust with her and then she says she'll you know I I, I think and then she said well he says well what if he won't and he says well he'll have to be put down so then she she you know he finds her in a park and they they talk she asks him to come back that's where he belongs and he says I'll think about it and then when she goes back to her car, because she's been picked up from her car by the deputy director to be taken there, there's mm. a tape there that plays a recording of him following her with all her dialogue about putting him down. And she realises the currency that's about to get her promoted has now disappeared. She's got no chance with him and she's been rumbled. And that's it. And he walks away. And I think... To well, extreme ways. But to what? To what is he walking away? Because she's either going to be promoted in which case she's just threatened his life albeit she didn't immediately think he'd hear that or the deputy director is a bit shady uh, you know the guy she met with is a bit shady too so there's there's no promise of any peace here he's going to still be on the run again so i just think you've brought him back for a reasonably underwhelming adventure to make up some new horse shit about his memory in order to end with him back on the run when you left him at the end of the previous film with some hope that he'd go somewhere, you know, a bit like the Shawshank Redemption, somewhere warm with no memory. And actually, he was street fighting. And it's like, well, what out there is going to be any better than that? So I, I just kind of just finished the film really disappointed with it. And and that's that's... I'm going to sort of curtail my final thoughts there because they are my final thoughts i've just said it perfunctory well done in and of itself but because it's the fourth matt damon entry seen it Mm. all before and you're still mulling over treadstone like 14 years later it's just it could it couldn't it either should have been much more than this after nine years or they shouldn't have bothered but it's better than the born legacy yeah um yeah um, but there's, yeah, there's lots to like, lots to like, definitely. Um, but I just kind of feel like it's a bit like too much time has passed. Um, I mean, it's great to see kind of Damon, Paul Greengrass, um, the Ultimate Dream Team. Um, 
but yeah, too much time has passed. All the techniques you use have now become de facto, they've become de rigueur, um, and now become other other buzzwords. Um, that they've now kind of asserted themselves into like the modern parlance of, of filmmaking, really. Um, not as innovative anymore, unfortunately. Um, although we're glad that they were and that they did. Um, and cinema's moved on because of it. Um, yeah, I'll just do my final thoughts now. Um, three out of five. I kind of feel like I said at the top of the show it's more like the, sort of the quantum of the Bourne series, but I kind of feel like that's tiring it with the same brush, brush, which is really not what I mean. Um, I, I'll probably need to watch it again and I'll come out raving and be like, yes, oh my god, amazing, best Bourne film ever. Um, I mean, I you know enjoyed it in terms of in terms of the action, the first the opening action scene, the chase scene is probably a little bit too long. Uh, but I kind of feel like with Bourne, the character really hasn't sort of moved on, I guess. Um, the performances are really good. Uh, Wakanda is, you know, she's played by both sides. Um, and I kind of get the feeling that if they're going to pick it up, the next one might be about her or, you know, if, if she survives. Um, but I kind of felt like yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is fantastic as always, but he's kind of, he's played that role before. Um, I mean, he still, he still does it really well, still menacing, still quite, you know, threatening in the background, pulling all the strings. Um, and then when he, you know, finally meets his maker at the, at the end, he just feels like, yep, yeah, you know, um, just has been calmed down, but then that, that epic fight uh, between Borda and Vince uh, Cassell's character, the asset, um, is sort of vicious and bloody. But how he walks away from it um, with it seemingly, you know, no, <laughs> no bruises um, is, is, is a miracle performed only by the, the film's makeup team. Um, but it's, you know, really sort of vicious and brutal fight that you feel every punch of. Um, it did kind of feel to me a little bit derivative. Um, might see some Vegas locations as well. Um, I think the Riviera Hotel was actually closed at the time, but they managed to kind of get it open again. Um, and obviously, I turned on all their lights, um, especially for that scene where he kind of ploughs in through the entrance in the in the SWAT car. Um, you know, great location hopping, definitely. Um, yeah, great performances, but just too much time passed between this and the last film. Um, more of the same. Um, doesn't kind of really add anything, unfortunately. So, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, there's not much more I can really say because I think I've said it all. The only thing I'll leave is really with a question. Do you think maybe if you're going to come back with one, maybe you should have left it a few more years? So it's like, you know, the, you get the hunger back again. It's like, oh, Bourne's back. You know, maybe give it like a 10-year wait. They, they, 10, they, oh, what, from I don't know. What what are you asking? Because they left so it nine like, years. Rather, you rather, say? Rather, rather than come back like when it, when it did... If, if they waited longer to come back, you think like the, the the return would have been more like had more of an impact. I think I think I don't know when we're talking from because if if you think about, I mean, I'm been, talking like from like say the legacy or automation or whatever. See, from you legacy, you may have a point, but I just think that it, it's really it's difficult to say because the problem is. The problem is the topic. If if you're gonna still be banging on about Treadstone, then in some respects nine years is almost too long because you like you waited a decade, everyone's expectations went up, and we come back and you're still talking about Bourne's past and his parents and fucking Treadstone and everything else. I'm not sure that twenty years would have made any difference. The only thing it might have done is actually prompted them to forget about Treadstone. And find some other reason they've got to get on Bourne's tail 20 years later. Difficult to say, to be honest with you. I, I was, I just don't, I don't know that that would have made an awful lot of difference. But who knows? Who knows? I, I don't think, 
I think my biggest problem is they didn't have another film here. They really didn't. They they didn't have another film to tell, and that's really tough after so many years. After so many years, you, they they've got to have a great idea for it to bother with it, you know. I don't think it being nine years was in and of itself the problem, except it raised mm-hmm. expectations. And when you found out they were still talking about the same old shit, it was like really. Um, but I, I think the, I think they'll probably lured in by the social media element of like, oh well, you know, that's we, we've got something we can say about that. That's not a bad thing necessarily. I, I you know I. I don't hate it. It's just the fourth go yeah. round, and like I say, it, it's it's so many years later that you just think that they've got to have a great idea to do this, and they didn't. I'm being too harsh on it. I had I had a better time with it than than, for example, I'm hearing Becca had. I had a better time with it than I had the first time I ever saw it, and it's fine. But at the end, we've got this crunching great car yeah. chase that I just think I've seen it before. And my wife watched it with me, and she said, I'm not that into car chases. And I said, some of them are brilliant, though. I said, it's because you're not that into this film. And that's just an opinion. I'm not telling her she's wrong. But I'm, I, I I was like, I think you just weren't that into this film. And so this car chase isn't grabbing you. Hmm. It did go on and on and on, though. I think it's just, I mean, it was, it was a great chase. That, and I think it's, it's one of those, you know, it, it does carry on in tradition of those great action films. Where a lot of it is done very very minimal CGI, a lot of you know a lot of cars got trashed um, in the making of that scene. Um, actually, talking about the CGI, there's one one scene that I didn't think really held up. But it was probably my TV. I'm not quite sure. Um, but there's a scene where he's in London um, and he basically kind of he, fa- he falls like from a great height, but he tries to grab hold of a cable or something um, and doesn't and ends up kind of falling from a great height. And I felt that was a little bit, uh, even though it was 20, 2016, 2017. Um, again, I haven't got like a massive 50 inch tv or whatever so it is i haven't got motion smoothing or whatever so i've really got to you don't want that. you don't want no motion i don't smoothing. you turn it off yeah. if you do have it you turn it off um i've got a massive great fly in my room oh um anyway that's another story um but yeah i just kind of felt that's probably one one scene where obviously they did try to use a little bit of um of cgi perhaps and it looked a little bit ropey there i say um but yeah i kind of feel like i mean the, the stunts and the accuracy were you know I think for me kind of like the best in the series but just like that scene in particular and the, and the opening sort of chase could chopped a little bit out perhaps absolutely I don't know anybody got anything to add um no because I'm I, to be honest I don't know too much that could be it Chris let's let's see if knowledge changes our perspective Becca probably not now I'm struggling to find fun facts <laughs> about this film you mean, you just, go ahead, sorry. Can you, you mean you can't? You, you, you find plenty of facts, but they're not fun. No, they are. They are quite boring. Quite boring facts. I mean, no, nobody that obviously nobody died in the making of this film. Um, let's have a little look. Let's scrape the barrel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's scrape the IMDb.com barrel. Scrape, 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 scrape away. Scrape that barrel. Um, yeah, I'll just read the top one off IMDb. Um, Las Vegas car chase sequence took five weeks to shoot. And around 170 cars by the end of it. So, ouch. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, then I've only got three other fun facts. So, uh, when we come to the next series, that's bounty laden with fun facts. So, I'm sure I shall have have my um, have my pick. Um, 
so obviously um, I made the motion in 2015 and won a whole raft of awards um, so he, he collected his Golden Globe um, for that and then he literally I think a day later he jetted off to Vegas to kind of shoot that, that tail end of the film Okay. Um, so he's like thanks for this award off you go to make Bourne um, and also the cast was obviously made up of three Oscar winners um, Damon Jones and the kind of all won Oscars um, oh, Doggo wants an Oscar as well um, obviously this is the first and only Bourne film not to have Tony Gore involved and I think it's kind of probably the better for it um, and then my final fun fact is obviously they wanted to film it in Greece obviously the part, part of the film is, is set in Greece but obviously due to Brexit <laughs> um, various bureaucracy and it obviously being very expensive um Tenerife actually doubles for, for Greece, so that is my, my fun fact. Not very fun. <laughs> Not very factual. Well, I must admit, fun facts are normally superb, but... Um, that, that, so, like, Brexit, uh, Brexit has that early impact what, on b- it? Before the vote. Well, I was going to say, but I think that was, that, was, that was a while ago now, wasn't it, as well? Cause obviously, it was that year, uh, Brexit. Over, over here in 2016, obviously, we had, you know, we had the Brexit vote. Um... Surely we we'll just finished filming that by then. Surely. Well, obviously, yeah, this is it. But obviously, due to you know Greece leaving, um, I think it just kind of things sort of rumbled on and on and on. But I think for, for an international production, um, it probably had nothing to do with it. But I would like to assume it did. Um, but I just imagine it's one of those things where you know a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy, um, just just proved too expensive, and there are probably tax breaks to you know to film on, on Tenerife, you know, nice holiday in, in the Canaries instead. Oh, yeah. Join us next week for an examination of how Brexit ruined the man who knew too much. <laughs> You'd be surprised how. <laughs> we want to film. We want to film at the Albert Hall. Oh, yeah, but what if they vote to leave the thing that's only just forming in sixty years' time? <laughs> well, they're very nearly closed down over lockdown. You know, obviously because you know, obviously it, it wasn't used at all, and you know, it's kind of falling into disrepair, and you know, very nearly shut down along with many other sort of you know entertainment halls and venues and, and theatres yeah. for example so you know during lockdown it, w- it was actually at risk so anyway that is our Bourne series done another one I hope you've off. enjoyed it more than we have our next series will be um, all the westerns by all the westerns of course we mean um, five of them Sergio and Jonas. We are doing the we're doing the dollars trilogy. So we're doing a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Then we go to his absolute masterpiece, Once Upon a Time in the West, and then we finish with um, a fistful of dynamite, which is also known as Duck You Sucker, which I haven't actually seen. That will be a first. That will be a first watch for me. So we'll be covering those. But between series we normally do a Bond commentary and it's been a very 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 long time since we have so should we do another one yeah go on alright I don't know who's picking it is though I can't actually remember I, yeah literally it skipped my brain Let's what's, the, what's the last one we did I think the last one we did was when Connery died though so that would be Doctor No which would yeah. have been would have been a me choice to be Gosh, it's, been, it's been a while then hasn't it it has so uh, yeah we're going to do a Bond commentary so um, well I know Becca will tell you what that is in a minute because I think it's her choice because um, the last one was my choice because it was around the time uh, Sean Connery passed and so the one thing is it's definitely not my choice so let's just say ladies first uh, <laughs> as for social media you can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter you can find me at UK. you can find all the old episodes on Podbean 
Uh, yes, you can find us on social media at Expect to Talk. Um, if you want to drop us an email, expect to talk at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook, do you expect to talk? Um, you can find us on YouTube, do you expect to talk? Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbay, Podbean, wherever you wherever you have your wherever you hang your podcatcher, um, whichever po- whichever platform you're listening to us on, don't forget to like us um, and to share us and subscribe and leave us a growing, glowing review that helps us to rank higher and attract more listeners. Um, so wh- wherever you listen to us, hit subscribe. Uh, why not share it amongst your friends as well? If you're on social media, um, send us a tweet. Put us a you know a status update on Facebook. Um, the only one you know, we're not on, the only major platform we're not on, is Amazon Music. But we'll get round to looking into it when we can. And by we, we mean, by we we mean Chris. But there's no hurry because we're everywhere else and he's <laughs> busy. busy he's just moves, I mean, moving I, job I, and stuff. I, I, I query whether anyone actually cares about Amazon Music. I mean, does anyone really listen I, to? I don't. I'm not on there. I, really I was listening honest. to it today while I was out, but I do. Oh, I, I do <laughs> oh, my podcast through Spotify now, though. I, I was on Apple too yeah, recently. Yeah, we Spotify as well. No, yeah. I tend to do um, Stitcher these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, on my old-fashioned Nano. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, before we do all asterisk five westerns ever made what's next becca yes, before we do all the westerns do you expect to talk we'll return with our bond commentary which is my selection tomorrow never dies <laughs>